Welcome to Chronic Combat Conversations, a live look at our best bets, picks, and predictions for every UFC event with your hosts, TB Scouting MMA and Guru Scouting MMA, back once again for UFC Vegas 39, also known as UFC Fight Night 194 and UFC on ESPN Plus 52, Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez, a strawweight main event between two ladies, uh, Marina getting her second main event slot, and uh, Mackenzie Dern getting her first. But without further ado, we have longtime friend of the show, Schwan Humes, back with us to help break down the card. Schwan, how you doing, buddy? Uh, you forgot to put noted author. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I, even, I even got a copy. Schwan, tell yeah. the people about yourself, man, just in case uh, any new listeners don't know who you are. They may need to be informed. Um, my name is Schwan Humes. I'm known as the Black Jordan Breen on Twitter. I used to call into the White Jordan Breen show, <laughs> and some somebody actually referred to like, hey, you're like a Black Jordan Breen because you, you have kind of a similar style of breaking down fights. So I just took that and ran with it. But um, I'm a fan of mixed martial arts, combat sports. Um, I, I write, wrote for different sites, Severe MMA, Combat Press, MMA Ratings. And I have worked for various amateur boxers, amateur MMA fighters, pro MMA fighters, um, doing scout work, breaking down film of opponents or breaking down their film to help them get better. King Mo, Claudia Gedalia, um, Aliri, Joanne, Betch Kohea, just a couple different people. Alawale Bamgos, just different people from UFC, Bellator One, who I've I've helped, and um, I just love the sport, and I'm kind of involved in it, kind of invested on the media front, and then in times when I'm helping fighters, you know, you get were ready part for of tournaments. Book recently fight. too, right? Uh, yeah, I I contributed to Chris Rini's. Um, I forgot I forgot the name of my, the own book I wrote in there. Um, <laughs> oh no, the I cannot think of it, but I'll think of it in a minute. It'll come back to me. But Chris Rini, he's a talented artist and a writer, and he had multiple volumes of books, and he invited me to talk about the Rose Namajunas, um, Jessica Andrade fights because he felt like I cover WMMA very well, and he wanted kind of an inside perspective on the improvements and the differences between the first match and the second match and what kind of inherent flaws and strengths each fighter had and how that played out in the fights. I love it. And guys, it's the fine art of violence. Uh, volume two. two. That's what I could remember. Too classy a name. I know, right? But hey, it's an awesome book. It's got all uh, featured uh, artwork from Chris Rini, plus all the articles like uh, our friend over here, Schwann, was so kind to, to do that. And, you know, I always got a soft spot for Jessica Andrade. So that's always a good time. <laughs> yeah, the, the art <laughs> in it is really good. I'm not saying that because I, I, I contribute with the artwork is really good. And they have some very very tenured and very seasoned ex-competitors and media and current media members who contributed to the book. So I, I like to think that I was the selling point of it, but clearly I was like low on the list of star power <laughs> in the team of those authors. Hey, well, man, hey. you, were, you were a contributor, so, and we're always- Julie Kensey and, and what's this guy, Schwinn Hums? Schwinn <laughs> 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 Hums. Well, hey, we're always happy to have Schwinn on the show, so. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, so hey, yeah, without further ado, good. I mean, let, let's we get down weird, into we it. Got, we got a weird card here with with uh, ten fights. A couple have fallen off as we've gotten closer. 
Um, this is one of those cards I feel like uh, the majority of any sort of casual fans may not recognize almost any of the names on. But it's one of those cards that many people will say is kind of a trash card. But it's actually like one of those sneaky good ones that for some reason overperforms. So I, I am still just as hyped as as any. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, and I, hey, we brought on the WMMA specialist here for our for our big almost title eliminator, you might think, main event with Mackenzie yeah. Dern and Marina Rodriguez. Definitely. Yeah. I think that with cards like this, a lot of people, because they don't have star power, people say it's gonna be a trash card. But there's like generally in combat sports, there's the best cards are a combination of this, but it's one or the other. You have car you actually have three sets of cards. You have cards with important fights. You have cards with star power fights. You have cards with just good fights. If the best cards have all three, but generally it's either a stack card with names, a understack card because it has no names, but it's a bunch of scrappy guys and it's well-matched fights. And then you have the in-between where it's just important fights. They may be well-matched, they may not, but it's for number one ranking. It's a contender eliminator. It's a title fight. You know, the best cards have all three, but with cards without names and without big title implications for the most part, Usually they end up being better because the expectation is low because you don't recognize the names. But when you don't have names on there, you can actually correctly match people based on their experience and their their physical tools and their fight styles. When you have names on there, mm. you got to do what's best for the A side. So okay. Nobody wants to do that. But when it's a combat sport, you do what's best for the A side unless you it's a, it's a huge money fight and you and it, huh. whatever happens happens. That's a, that's a good point. You kind of what you're saying, at least what I gathered from is as a matchmaker, you can play more to uh, uh, like a like a, a viewership's uh, matchmaking standpoint. What's actually going to uh, uh, look more aesthetically pleasing? What's going to actually result in a good fight as opposed to maybe that being a secondary or tertiary uh, uh, option to really being yeah. What's the most important being what contractually this A side to B side mm. looks like. Like yeah. okay, this a lot of times, lot times you see, a lot of times you come for the experience. Oh, it's a Conor McGregor fight. Whether it's good or bad, it's Conor McGregor night. That's an experience. Whether the fights are good or not, you go for the experience to knowing that you saw him live. With a card like this, there is no experience. So it better have some good <laughs> fights on it. I That's totally feel that. Point. And you know what? To kick it off, I mean I just can't even buy into the to the opener that much. I'll be honest. I mean, it, it, when you see Steve Garcia versus Charlie Ontiveros, it doesn't really get you know the blood pumping too excited. Steve Garcia is a minus three twenty, and he probably should be, but like I don't I don't even know like how he can trust a, a fighter of his caliber that with that wide a line. So I mean, damn, I. I I won't lie here. It's just so tough for me to want to even pick a side because, like, Ontiveros, I mean, he's just shown to give up. So, like, <laughs> I mean, what are you doing here? Um, so, one of the things that makes me most concerned for this fight for Charles, Charlie Ontiveros is um, this man has been finished, I believe, all of his losses, all seven of them. Yeah. So, that's really bad. Um, this, this tall gentleman is – he is how tall is he exactly doesn't say on topology six two there it is has it sorry he's six two for the first time in his entire career he's cutting to lightweight from from middleweight i don't like that i don't like that at all he's not like he's done welterweight he did welterweight in fury fc he went to middleweight versus kevin holland for a ridiculous debut for no reason but like at lightweight I, i mean He's never fought it before. Ever like click through all of his topology. 
He has never fought at 155. So you have a suspect chin at 185. Listen, maybe you can say 170. Maybe you can say it's the size of the guys you're fighting. But you might just have a shit chin. And you're going to add an extreme weight cut to that? Um, It makes me really, really uh, nervous. On the other side of that coin, um, I really don't know what to think of Steve Garcia. Um, he His fight to get into the UFC against uh, an LFA, against Jose Mariscal, I don't know. That was a really unimpressive fight just from all standpoints. He, he just kind of uh, took control to, uh, later in the second round and, and got the finish. But it was really more back and forth, took a lot of damage. I, uh, I I don't know if you can even trust him to get the finish. He should win. I don't really see Ontiveros really being any uh, being any danger for him, but to trust him to get the finish because that's that's what you need at these odds. Mm. At minus three hundred, he should be cutting through this guy. Schwan, I'm I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. Yeah, with with Ontiveros, this this is like the trend in MMA because a lot of people and I'm not bashing anybody because some people deal with camps, but they deal with them on a certain way. If you deal with the camp as a media member or you, they give you access, your experience with the camp is much different than my experience because I'm not there like for access or as a media member. Like They brought me on. So I'm the thing with they're doing with Onaveris is they're probably figuring he's not a very big middleweight. He's not physically imposing. But at his height, with his length, if we can squeeze him down to lightweight, he's got huge advantages. It'll make up for his lack of skill. With his length <laughs> yeah. and his hey, – he can – Along at six two at lightweight, your jab is if you have a decent one, your jab's almost impossible to get by. Your kicks, you're kicking, you're be able to kick guys at a range where they can't even kick you back at. You can essentially control range, you can pressure guys, you can counter guys in a way that isn't of the norm at that weight class. And even on the ground, submissions are easier to get because you have more more room, more length to your legs, to your arms to hold position, secure an arm do a triangle, armbar, whatever you want to do. You just have a lot of length that gives you a lot of room defensively and offensively. And they're assuming because those guys in middleweights are really small, light heavyweights. So, hey, if I move down this weight class, these guys can't possibly hit as hard. They might be faster, but I'm used to dealing with bigger, stronger, more powerful guys. So I should be able to physically impose my will and be able to grind on these guys and wear them down and chop them down in, in clinches and exchanges. They're basically taking a bet that – his physical tools and his length and his height will offset any athletic holes he has and actually give him a benefit as far as his chin because now he's getting hit by guys who maybe are small 170-pounders instead of getting hit by guys who are smaller, medium-sized 205ers. That's the logic I assume his camp is going through because otherwise there's no there's no reason for this move except that you think you have a physical advantage that you can maintain by squeezing down to, to the lightweight limit. And like you said, it's either going to be great or it's going to backfire. Because if he's just got a bad chin, dropping another 45 pounds of weight against much faster and more explosive athletes is not the recipe to protect that. Yeah. So no, it almost it almost be irresponsible to say that he's not going to get finished, considering how often he's been finished. It, it'd yeah. almost be like, you know, I mean, it's almost a foregone conclusion. The only problem with his opponent is, one, he's a Jackson Wing fighter. They're generally – no, strategically they're fine. Conceptually they're fine. But if you really think about it, Jackson Wing fighters aren't really good technically. Mm-hmm. John Jones has been saved by his chin and his length more than anything, 
in his fights. Diego Sanchez is never really a technical fighter, maybe a great technical grappler. He's not a technical wrestler. He's not a technical striker. He's gotten by on aggression in his shin. Keith Jardine got by with his timing, his awkwardness. Holly Holm gets by because of her cardio, her athleticism, and her chin. It's it's not really a technical team, in my experience. And Garcia, the fights I've seen of him, he's he's more of an aggressive kind of brawler guy with, with some general skills. He's not a great athlete. I don't think he takes a really good shot. He's not, excuse me, super strong. He's not super dynamic explosively. So that's where my thoughts come in. It might be actually hard for him to get the finish because when he's faced certain physical tools or bigger, stronger opponents, he's lost. And he's lost fairly Mm. decisively. Maybe he didn't get knocked out, but he's lost very decisively. And I don't know that he has a second or third trick to go to if his initial trick of aggression and volume and physicality don't turn don't turn it. If he can't mm. get those tools going, I don't know what his plan B is. Even whether it's wrestling, grappling, or whatever, it's all physicality and volume. He's not a slick counterpuncher. He's not super technical. He's a guy who gets by on his aggression with some education and physicality. If this guy can manage his 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 length and his movement, if he's a different fighter at lightweight, I, I don't know. I don't know that Garcia has anything for him because his whole thing is imposing his will. What if he can't impose his will? What if the guy really can make the weight? Like Jessica Andrade dropped two weight classes and turn into a dynamo what if this guy can follow that suit it's not likely yeah. but what if it happens? Right. <laughs> yeah I, I, i'm I, listen I, I it's a stay away from it's me a full, I, it's pretty much a full stay away yeah yeah I, there's no reason to trust garcia at that price and like there's no reason to trust Antiveros in general so i mean i think it's safe to say I, i'll save my money <laughs> plus yeah, 180 so, to go to the distance i still don't even know if that's juicy enough some, somebody's gonna bet and be like see i you should listen to me because i knew it it's like you can't on this kind nah. of fight you can't no, no, I won't even proclaim it. Yeah, you're jumping off a roof and hoping someone catches you. That's what Honestly, you're doing. With I feel the same way about this next one. I hopefully we can uh, we can cut yeah. through this one a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I honestly I don't even have I have zero tape study done on Juarez Godinez. I was already kind of sketchy about to start with, but like it's not Sam Hughes anymore, and it's a late notice opponent. Yeah. I Juarez there's no reason to even. Opponent. Yeah, I I, I think Godinez wins. But I mean, I can't even profess to give a good What's breakdown here. Do we, and like, do we even have a line for the people? I don't even have one posted on DraftKings yet. That's the other issue. Is like now that I'm hold on, let's see, is it updated? Yeah, I mean, there's still no line for it. So uh, realistically, nothing to talk about, huh? Yeah, just in general, Gadina should win it because she's actually faced legitimate competition to a certain degree. Boris has not. She's been regional, yeah. and, and and regional MMA is bad. Regional women's MMA is freaking – they're beating up on soccer moms. Yeah. They're beating up on below-average athletes who are just doing this in their spare time, and that's why they think they're so great, and they come in and face real athletes and find out, oh, well, I'm an average athlete. Oh, crap. Interestingly so. enough, she has um, two losses on her record to Ariana Lipsky and to Apollyana Batelio, both on the regional circuit. And she has a win over Vanessa Mello. That's so, that kind of tells three, you, those are at least three names we know. Which that kind of but that kind of tells you where she stands because if you're the prospect on that, yeah, you're not facing another prospect on the regional level. They don't put you in yeah. against when you're no. prospect. They put you in against no helpers. <laughs> yeah, that's it. So the fact that she fought them tells me she was not the money maker in this. No, and you know what? It's a good thing to know. And you know, maybe Gudinez is a parlay piece, but. As far as breakdowns go, I say we get on to the next fight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we got Charles Rosa, Charles Rosa versus Damon Jackson. 
And, you know, this one uh, we got Jackson is a minus 180 and Charles Rosa is a plus 155. I'm sniffing around here. Uh, something smells a little fishy to me, I to be honest. I really I, – I need somebody to slap me. I need somebody to shake me. I need somebody to wake me up because I, I don't – some smelling salts. I don't understand what's going on. Why on God's green earth can I get Charles Rosa at plus 160 here? I legitimately don't understand it. You watched Damon Jackson get absolutely obliterated by Ilya Tapuria, which you know what? Fine. Uh, let's not even let's well, let's let's remove that from the record. Fine. It's because Ilya Tapuria is a beast. Fine. The Mizrod Beckdick win. He have you ever seen something like that? Only if you've ever watched Mizrod Beckdick before. The dude dominated for f over four minutes and 30 seconds of two rounds and managed to get submitted early in the third. Oh, he was like, dead. Gas. He's just dead. Like, I don't even, it didn't even, he just blew it. Like, he's just dead. He was just completely gassed. So the dude falls into a guillotine choke, lucky win. Great. That's his return fight back from in his second stint with the UFC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Second stint with the UFC. Before that, the dude couldn't get a win either. He lost to Yancey Medeiros, no contest with Ronnie Jansen, and had a draw with Levon Makovsky. Like, the dude has done nothing. So, in all those fights, he's done absolutely nothing. Went to LFA, choked out everybody. Great. You're savage. <laughs> oh, you're getting dead. a PFL? You're going to talk about that flying knee, like 12-second knockout in PFL? Because the dude was oh also straight up seconds. unconscious. That was one of the craziest highlights. PFL so, plays it all the by time. By the way, that guy, Movliad Kabaliev, yeah. he's fighting Chris Wade for the PFL belt in a couple, like in two weeks or at the end of the month. And that's actually a really good fight. So I'm actually really excited for that. He just beat Brendan Lognane by split decision. But that's not a card that we're covering yeah. i i just i just don't understand what damon jackson's going to do he's like, got the height you, and reach but like but i don't like it doesn't matter on the feet yeah. i don't really okay. see him with the slick stand-up i think i think people are doing the they're doing the mma math logic because damon damon has a has a win over a what you would consider a prospect a high ceiling fighter his win over this guy is better it's pretty much than any win that Rosa has, and they're thinking, okay, he's at, he's got some size, he's got some length, he's got some athleticism. He's beaten the best, the better fighter. That one fight he won is better than pretty much anything else that Rosa's done. So we have to favor this guy because if you look at Rosa's record, he he he's not beating really elite guys. All the guys he's beating are in that LFA kind of fringe contender type mm -hmm. level person. He yeah. all the all the better people he's fought, he's lost. So they're saying Damon's beat a guy who would probably beat this guy, so Damon probably can beat this guy because he mm. finished him. That's the only logic I can come to. Yeah, and, I mean, he does have a nasty guillotine. That's definitely, like, a go-to move for Damon Jackson. He does have 14 submission wins. But Charles Rosa, you cannot choke this man out. Like, his neck, his yeah. shoulders, whatever it is, like, yeah. whatever constitution he has, this guy is in arm, like, arm triangles. How about a, how about a black belt? How about a black yeah. belt in BJJ? How no, I know. How experience? I know, but it's just so weird because you've seen him in so many <laughs> deep submission attempts and he just like, it's like his neck just gets an unreal amount of like air going through because I just don't understand how he doesn't tap out to some of these. Like it, than, it really is crazy. 
if you're not betting, if you like Damon Jackson and your play isn't Damon Jackson by submission at plus 330, um, I don't understand. I don't understand any of it because yeah. I, I don't just because Charles Rosa isn't is better than I, I think he's better than than Damon Jackson everywhere. Maybe he's not as deadly with his submissions, right? But he's I think he's going to he's a better striker. I think he has better mm. cardio. I think he's going to put on a stronger pace. Damon Jackson gets cracked like he has. He keeps his hands down. He looks like an old man that just gets this just is gets like a beat around. It's a poor man's version of any Brian Ortega fight. Let's say, <laughs> Damon, let's say Damon Jackson is this dynamic submission finisher. Let's just say that's true. The thing about him is he's not dangerous all fight long. Generally, he, he gets outworked and outhustled the majority of fights, and he snatches something. Whether it's in a scramble, whether it's early or late, he, he generally can't dictate the terms of fight in most fights against good competition. But he's wow. always a threat to have that one moment. In the case of fighting Rosa, Rosa's a busier fighter. He's got yeah. a more developed skill set. So he should yeah. be able to outwork Jackson in every single moment of the fight, except for like 10 to 15 seconds. But in those 10 mm. to 15 seconds, Jackson is essentially the most dangerous fighter on the face of the planet. Yeah, exactly. Mm. That's oh, that, that's, that makes a lot of sense. That's what I see. That's so funny. He's literally the Walmart Ryan Ortega. 2.7 exactly. submission attempts per 15. That is a, that is extremely that is high. high. So, so that, it totally checks out. And I just don't think – that he should be a minus 180 favorite. So Charles Rosen plus 155. It's not quite dog of the day, but I will probably put something solid on it. And Guru, I know you would like something else in this one too, right? Uh, do I? I thought you were talking about fight goes the distance. I saw, you know, maybe oh, like. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, you know, right now, fight props. You got fight go the distance minus one fifty. Seems pretty. So I don't think either guy submits each other, and there's not really knockout potential. So I think minus one fifty goes I the just, distance. That's a play. I do have a. I do have a tough time trusting Damon Jackson in general. Like that's right, he, he got Is knocked it? out by Taporia, knocked out by Kabaliev, knocked yeah. out by Kevin Aguilar. But, but the um, main the main thing seems like is the question becomes to the twofold: Is Rosa a good enough striker to really to really expose him? Is Rosa a good enough athlete no. to really punish him like that? And secondly, no. is Ro- is Rosa a disciplined enough fighter that when that moment comes, because at some point Jackson's going to threaten him with a submission, is Rosa going to be able to find his way out of it? Mm. That's that, that's, that's, what, that's where we're going. When you're when those submissions come, you know it's like. Volkanovski was in complete control, and then one second he was like, fuck, I might lose this title. It's, it mm-hmm. happens that quick, and that's what people are thinking, that a lot of guys really aren't good at grappling. You get them in a certain hole. Most guys really aren't good. They're only good in scrambles and transition. What if mm-hmm. this guy locks something up on you? Do you have an answer? Most MMA fighters are not nearly the grapplers that we think they are. Mm-hmm. Do, we, do we think that Jackson is as good of a grappler as Derek Minner and Bryce Mitchell? And... You know, I don't uh, think he's as good a wrestler. I think I think his long limbs. It's his long limbs and the way he's able to get like the four. His forearms are so skinny, so like locking in a choke like that, it seems like he's able to get deeper than some guys. Like he, Mm -hmm. like he's not dangerous. But I, the last thing I'll say about this is, even though his in his biggest win, the guy gassed. The fact of the matter is, he was still cognizant and locked in to acknowledge that. Because I've seen fights before where a guy's been dead tired and a guy couldn't find a submission. He yeah. was too scared to try it. He wouldn't go for it. The minute he served himself up, Jackson took advantage of it. He was opportunistic. In I that. mean, 
I'll tell you, end of the second round, Damon Jackson had a deep guillotine also. So it wasn't yeah, just Miz, when he was completely yeah, gassed. Mizrod just continued to keep shooting takedowns. No, of course. Time. But, like, but let's be serious here. So he had multiple in. opportunities. He, he, didn't, he didn't mentally break and say, oh, it's not going to work. He went no. for it every time he presented yeah. himself. And with no. Rosa, when you fight a guy who's not a dynamic finisher, yeah, he's going to outwork you. But that means he's putting himself in the line of fire from yeah. minute one around to the last minute. So it, every moment he's in danger, it's just a matter of when is Jackson going to make his move. So even if it's a one-sided fight, it's always a dangerous fight because mm-hmm. Rosa has to put himself in the line of fire to have a chance to win. He's got to be the busier guy. He can't just wait there in moments. If you go moment for moment with Jackson, Jackson will win. So he's got to put himself in danger routinely throughout the length of the fight, which is where, once again, people start saying, hey, Jackson can get somebody late. If Rosa gets a half-second tire and he gets too aggressive, this dude's going to finish him. Yeah. Hmm. You have to at least explore that part when, you, so, when you're looking when people are looking at betting lines, I think. So if you were placing a bet, who's it on? To be honest, I'm not, I'm not amazingly impressed with Rosa. I feel like this is the trap fight for him. It's a guy he's better than in almost every single element. He's probably a better athlete, better condition, mm-hmm. better striker, better wrestler. And this is a fight where you would think he would just clearly dominate. And most likely he will dominate until he doesn't right <laughs> and then it's and then it's a wrap i mean j- well, I that's why yeah bet. i wouldn't say it's a good bet but i, I think jackson has something for him i know jackson's mm-hmm. not going to break mentally i know that much so maybe that jackson submission at plus three something maybe that's or, interesting or, yeah or do we think it's jackson a decision do like mm-hmm. do, we, do you think that you, you fade the narrative that jackson can only win via submission I don't think mm-hmm. he can win a decision. He does. He's not going to be busy enough. So you yeah. really do think that he has Rosa ever been submitted? No, he's I, been I, I, in I, many I, bad positions though. It's like, but it's like once again, he's he's. I don't know that he's faced a guy like all the submission threats he's faced are guys who are actively searching for it. Jackson is kind of just outworked, outworked. Like same thing with Ortega. That's why they're so hard to figure out because they're not constantly searching and hunting mm-hmm. for submissions. They're fighting your fight. You make a mistake and. Done. Yeah, that's nowhere. I'm not mm. saying it's likely. I'm not even saying it's a good bet, but I will go <laughs> with Jackson to win by yeah. submission because he's not gonna he's not he's not I've seen him fight more. He will not fight consistently hard enough to win a decision. <laughs> right. No, huh. Well yeah, and listen, and like we said, yeah. uh, that at plus three thirty, if you're betting Jackson, that that before we even flesh this out really, we we had said that that was the bet if you were betting Jackson. So yeah, um, and just by, and just by the way. Um, for the previous fight that we're not talking about, we have Gudinia's at minus two forty-five and Juarez at plus one ninety-four. Just for there you go. All right, good. So now next fight. I mean, this is probably one of my uh, my favorite heavyweight prospects to watch from like an entertainment perspective. Alexander Romanov. Oh, I thought you were going to say Jared Vandera is your heavyweight prospect to watch. Oh, that would be funny. Well, Jared Vandera. (laughs) He did actually come out and throw in quite the fucking striking performance on Justin Taffa in his last fight. But, like, let's be real here. I, I don't think that's what Alexander Romanov is looking to do. And his 4.75 takedowns per 15 minutes says otherwise. And 61%, that's an elite number as far as uh, conversion. But, um, you know, the time to fade Romanov for me was last fight. And I did. And I did it with Juan Espino. And it looked like it was going great. And then Romanov quit after, like, the softest <laughs> knee to the nuts and, like, it really showed me a lot about Romanov because I, I was thinking like that cardio got to fade him, you know, like find the spot. And like Espino was the spot. Jared Vendera is not the spot. And I faded Romanov in his last fight. This is a step down an opponent. This is a guy that's not going to force the grappling pressure on him. I know they say that Vendera has a black belt, but like 
I didn't see that fucking black belt when he was getting smoked by Sergey Spivak. So if Spivak couldn't do that to Alexei Olenek, and also he couldn't do that to Tom Aspinall, then it makes me very concerned that he was able to do that to Jared Vandera. And Alexander Romanov is that guy that is going to force a takedown. So if Vandera couldn't get a flash KO of Justin Taffa, who is a guy much smaller than him, I don't see him getting a flash KO of Romanov. So it's a question of, can he survive the ground and pound and submission attempts of the first seven minutes? Or is Romanov going to gas out and Vandera takes over? I, I mean, the, the line is getting absolutely crazy on Romanov. It was minus yeah. 400 at one point. It's minus 630 right now. I'm not. Um, probably just not going to play it. Um, but Romanov by smashing, that's that's kind of what I see. I I couldn't agree more. I think very similarly to the uh, Aspinall fight from two weeks ago or a few weeks ago, I think that this is a setup spot for Romanov. Um, I think Vandera kind of won a fight he wasn't supposed to uh, at the Tafa fight. I do think that the UFC, for whatever reason, likes Justin Tafa, and uh, I think that they kind of are punishing him for that with this one. <laughs> And um, I'm yet to see, unfortunately, FanDuel has the prop I usually like for a fight like this, um, which would be Romanov round one and two, um, round one or two, I should say, or and or two, whatever. And Mm -hmm. that prop is currently not posted for FanDuel. Um, By the way, we cashed that prop last week with Alexander Hernandez for anybody who was previously listening. Um, Okay, well, we have it on DraftKings. Alexander Romanov in rounds one or two is minus 225. So just like Sager on uh, fight parlays. Interesting. So alternative round betting, yeah. So, what do you got? Just to give you some background of this, y'all remember uh, in Bellator where that guy uh, Gallagher, he was (laughs) fight at SBG. He got beat by – Yes, yes, yes. something. I uh-huh. forgot. It was Ricky Simon. No, it wasn't Ricky Simon. It was somebody else from from ATT. But either way, he got upset, right? Mm-hmm. So the guy gets the guy upsets him, and you would think they would try to cultivate the guy who got the upset. But because because you were brought in to lose, what they continue to do is they just throw you in with another big person. So essentially, you're either going to get knocked off by the next big person, <laughs> or you're going to earn your you're going to legitimately have to earn your way into a ranking. There won't be any soft touches. That's right. basically okay. what's happening to Jared in this fight. He beat mm. somebody he wasn't supposed to beat. Mm. So you would think, hey, maybe he's got some potential. Maybe we can build him up slowly. No, he wasn't supposed to win that fight, so we're throwing <laughs> him in another fight he shouldn't win. That's going to be his reward. The guy he beat is going to get get soft touch back, build momentum. Jared's going to get thrown into the deep end, and he's going to have to keep on swimming. And once yeah. he drowns, then they'll be like, oh, see? Told you he was a can. <laughs> they're going to kick him out. That's how, that's how that works. They're not going to try to build this new guy who showed something. Mm. They're going to. Because that guy who beat Gallagher, they kept throwing him in with elite guys. And I'm like, I asked his manager, I'm like, why the hell are they doing that? They're like, it's just it's just, what, it's, it's just the way they have it set up. They wanted him mm. to lose. He beat their yeah. guy. So they're not doing him any favors. If he wants to beat, stick around, he is going to have to earn it. That's what they're doing with Jared. They're giving him a fight against a guy who stylistically is probably a better, better overall athlete, a clearly better grappler, a clearly better wrestler, maybe who's limited as a striker and isn't the mentally toughest guy if he comes to taking punishment. But the style of striking that Jared has, I don't think it translates to beating a wrestler of this caliber. He's not a stick no. and move guy. He's not a fainting guy. He's kind of a I come and overwhelm you. That mm-hmm. just said react to take He's going to end up on his ass. Honestly, TB, the way you said it before that you kind of fluffed off the minus two twenty five. I I honestly I can't. I, I honestly have to disagree with it because when you look at the double chance, if if we need to ha- if we're going to handicap this fight or play it at all, because I do think that there's money here. Because mm. Romanov, Romanov double chance um, 
minus uh, 280 minus 280 so mm. that's by finish and we just discussed how romanov isn't the like mentally toughest he doesn't he's not going to have the cardio to push it and vandera's style is he's not going to play mr cautious pick him apart from mm. the outside stuff takedowns and you know try to wonder boy this shit like no he's gonna go in there and take his fucking swings and then he's gonna end up on his ass and then he's gonna end up zero zero percent takedown defense book it so minus 225 <laughs> romanov to win rounds one or two because okay. it's not because it, it has to end small cage like, that, yeah I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a big factor he doesn't he, it, there'll be no room to run even if he tries to run there's no room to run and let's be real. If mm. Romanov sits there and lays it, lay and prays for 15 minutes, like, I, I mean, I don't know. He's got bigger issues than my lost ticket. Like, I mean, he's not like <laughs> Dana White will be fucking furious. Like, so what about? Do you want to be on Dana White's good side? I mean, you want to be exciting, but no offense, a win is a win. If I'm going to get cut, I want to get cut from the UFC on a win. Like, hey, I was two and one in the UFC. I left on a win. I don't know why they cut me. Boring or not. The loss is unacceptable. Mm. But like you said, if he gets in a rough spot or if or if Jared just keeps forcing his way back to his feet and really resisting on the ground, there's a good chance Romanov might be like, oh, my God, dude, this isn't worth it. And he'll mentally yeah. check out. I I totally hear that. But I just was looking here. Romanov and under one and a half is minus 150. If you think, like I said, those seven minutes are really where he's got to get it done. Hmm. Minus 150. That's a little bit like that's almost a solo play worthy right there. I know you love the plus money plays, Guru. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's, listen, that's, but if anything, I think if if you really do think that Vendera is going to be that guy, which I don't, you could hedge out if you want to. I I just think like Romanov, he's one of those guys you throw in your parlay and like the price, like, damn, it's definitely not appeasing. But, um, I, I feel for you, I feel for you guys with a fighter like this because he's got all the skills for it to make an easy bet. But he's so shaky up here that you you can find find a reason for anybody to beat him. You're like, yeah, he should do this, he should do that. But if this guy gives any resistance, oh my you know lord, what? that's it, that's it. You know what? I honestly almost want to. It could really go the wrong way. It could end in fucking sixty seconds. But I almost want to. <laughs> I almost. I almost want to. I almost want to fade the narrative here. Spivak. Spivak finished late round two. Uh, LFA. His LFA loss late round two two decision losses and a round five Kimura loss, Kimura loss. Like those are, those are not immediate. No. Hmm. And they're certainly, I believe after that one and a half mark. Interesting. Either way the fight goes, you won't be surprised if Jerry goes and gets totally tapped in two seconds, you'll be like, eh, I saw that. If Romanov quits and halfway through the second round, you'll be like, eh, saw that too. So honestly, it's probably just a stay away. The line is just too crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I told I always hate that feeling. Wait, listen, we always can wait for weigh-ins and face-offs, see if like somebody looks like he's about to smash him or he looks scared or something. But like I don't know, at heavyweight too, it's not like mm. you're gonna see much of a weight cut issue. So no, I feel that. Well, hey, I, I think we got you know at least a solid we read on how the fight can go. But this next one, I think we gotta break up the hammers here because uh, we got Chris Gutierrez versus Felipe Corrales. And uh, I got a feeling that uh, we might have found a little spot over here, huh? Uh, Guru, take us away, huh? Oh, I should take us away? Listen, take I... Take us away. Take us away. Listen, I really like Chris Gutierrez here. Um, this is a this is a fight fighter and a type of fight that, you you know, you want you, you look at and you're like, oh, minus 265, you know, is this a price that you're actually willing to pay? 
Um, I really think that Chris, Chris Gutierrez is one of those um, quite talented up and coming fighters that, um, you know, again, he hasn't, doesn't have the wins over the, the best of level of competition, but he's, he's through now, this will be his sixth UFC fight um, has done everything he, he can do with what they've given him. Uh, which is four wins and a draw. Uh, the draw, I believe, uh, short notice replacement, with which is Cody Durden, who's actually a pretty uh, tough individual to fight. Um, his last fight beating Andre Yule, who was much uh, taller and longer. Almost finishing him at the end of round two. Yule saved by the bell in that fight. So, you know, what I see from this fight is, you know, Felipe Corrales, uh beat Luke Saunders in his last fight, essentially retiring Luke Saunders because he was has been relieved of his duties from the UFC. Um, <laughs> I, I also see, you know, not that it means too much, but that uh, uh, Felipe Corrales likes to alternate his wins and losses. Uh, had a win in jungle fight, lost to Geraldo de Freitas, beat Domingo Polarte, who we know is pretty booty cheeks. And then uh, lost to Montel Jackson, who we know is, uh, you know, decent enough, I guess, beating at least J.P. Bays in his last outing. And then, like we said, beating hmm. Luke Saunders. So uh, I believe that Chris Gutierrez will win. Um, weight cut notwithstanding, I will always wait for the weight cut, especially with these littler guys. Um, I, I like Chris Gutierrez here. He's 30 years old. He's in his prime. And uh, while Felipe can get better at 27, I uh, I don't know. I, I don't really see it here. Maybe I'm missing something matchup-wise. Maybe uh, Schwan sees something. I, but I, uh, the, the weird thing is they fought – if you really look at their opposition, they fought close to similar oppos- similar levels of talent. But it's like you said with Chris Gutierrez, he's made the most out of the guys he's fought. They're not great, but he's improved in his performances and his consistency – his dominance in it. He's looked better and better mm. for the most part. He hasn't really taken any steps back. And when he took a half step up, up as far as opponents, he didn't get a win, but he didn't look like he was out of his element. He looks competitive. Against the same level of opponent, Felipe has, even in his wins, he hasn't looked spectacular. I mean, he's looked yeah. fairly pedestrian. Even in, in dominant wins, he's looked pedestrian. He never looked like he was going to take it over against Luke Saunders. I don't, I don't know what Luke Saunders – uh, mindset was he to me he didn't look like he was really engaged in the fight he looked yeah. like he was prepared he was he didn't look like he was he was prepared to fight and if he won continue his career he looked like he was mentally checked out so if you compare their op- opposition and how each has looked uh, Felipe hasn't looked great I know he's young and I think he can get better but a mistake I often make when I'm on the show that I realize is I think that everybody has an MMA camp that is doing the appropriate things to get someone better regardless of whether I see it sometimes in fights or not I assume, well, they see this flaw. It's been there for two yeah. or three years. They and have they to be addressing this. But they're yeah. not really. They're just figuring we're yeah, winning, no. so it must work. And Felipe's still in a 500 as a winner, and I'm sure his team has told him some nonsense about, why. oh, the judges, this, the judges, that. Gutierrez has been getting it done and getting it done consistently more impressively, showing better athleticism, showing more comfort on the feet, showing more comfort in adverse situations. When Felipe has been given adversity, he's essentially folded. So I cannot pick someone who mm. every time they've been tested has taken a step back. And the only time he's looked great is against regional competition. When he's gotten even against the fringe UFC competition, he, he looks regular. And that's a concern mm. for me. You know, you can only beat who's in front of you, but he hasn't beat him in a way that's made me think that he's got a big, 
um, resurgence coming as a fighter, and he hasn't showed any real big steps in between his fights. He's losing the same way. He's winning the same way, unimpressively. I think I think MMA betting is very similar to dating. You can't date or MMA bet based on somebody's potential, based on yeah. what you think somebody can change, mm. fix on, work on. You know what I mean? The diamond in the rough theory. I can fix them theory. It doesn't work. What the tape shows, what yep. their history shows, what the actions are, not the words, not the fluff. What does the tape show? And like the tape, like you said, the tape shows that he is not trustworthy. And I don't, even though he's young and even though he could have the camp that could change yeah. it. And it's until he shows it, not, not yeah. doing it. I mean, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that Gutierrez, he got taken down and controlled big time by Durden. That's why it was a 10-8 round. But he didn't give up and get submitted. He came back and dominated the last two rounds. And then you look at his striking defense, just as elite as his striking accuracy is. I mean, 59%. Kolaris' striking defense is 38%, and Gutierrez has good takedown defense. That's not a pathway for Kolaris to just control him the whole fight. I don't think Gutierrez gasses the same way that, like, Kolaris' other opponents have. So I, I think it's pretty easy. Gutierrez, play of the day, minus 260, parlay it up, baby. We'll get to like, the other leg. Like, it's like that point you just said, though. Have we seen Felipe even get negligibly better striking no. defense or offense? Nope. No. No, so, I mean, not like, at all. I want to assume that he's going to make turn the corner. But he's literally giving us no – it's like dating someone who constantly – who used to beat their ex. And you're like, well, he's not going to beat me because he's nice to me in the beginning. Well, what do you think he did to her? Yeah. He uh, <laughs> Speaking of getting beat, I mean, Montel Jackson lands 75-7. to 7, And then Luke Sanders, in a loss, lands 118-78. to 78. Kolaris gave up 40 significant strikes and still won the last fight. That's crazy to me. And he gave up a knockdown. So – that if that happens in this fight, I honestly my he's, favorite he's, play he's on this fight. He's boxcar homer. He's boxcar yeah, homer. That's it. And like Chris Gutierrez by knockout, by knockout, I couldn't believe it. Given you know the power, the leg kicks, plus three fifty. The decisions wow. minus one ten fade the narrative. I'll take a Chris Gutierrez knockout. Let's go plus three fifty. So I'm gonna like parlay that. him, and I'm gonna throw probably another ten to twenty bucks yeah. on a, on a knockout. Chris Gutierrez is definitely part of my play of the day um, parlay which uh, will probably be, honestly, with the way with nine fights, will probably be, like, my biggest play and possibly, like, like like my only play of, like, three or four plays. Like, I mean, really, this is uh, slim pickings this week. Play yeah. of the day, baby. It, it's, to- it, it, it's clear the UFC, the UFC is trying to get him a big explosive win to start getting him the bigger names. He, he's mm. supposed to come and crush this dude so he can be like, he's arrived, now he's ready for the, now he's ready for the big guy. Mm-hmm. You give him a softball over the over the plate he hits a home run now we can put him up against the big guys because he's coming off a bit impressive what? win do we know what gym he's trading out of do we have anything on chris gutierrez oh. yeah he's oh. he's at a factory x i like that yeah, yeah. columbus is team noguera so solid but it's very grappling heavy and i just don't i don't think that's going to be a great pathway for him in this specific fight because gutierrez is shown to be very prolific in surviving uh defensively Team Nogueira's guys have a history back when DeSantos used to be with them. Of course, they're two namesakes. A lot of their guys are tough guys who outlast you You till you make a mistake or till you wear down, then they take it over. A lot of their students are the same way, and that's great against a certain caliber of opponent or a certain opponent with certain limitations. When you're this far outgunned, waiting for someone to gas or to make a mistake is it's just a clear way to get outworked the decision and possibly stop depending on how dynamic they are. But they're just like their namesakes. DeSantos, when he faced the league guys, took huge beatings 
exploded one. Nogueira, huge beatings, exploded one. Same thing with his brother. This is this is kind of the trend that their fighters have followed. So this being tough, being skilled and tough matters, but being skilled and so one-dimensional in how you fight and tough, I don't think that's a recipe for success. Oh, yeah. Coco D1, loving what we're bringing it to the table, throwing up them guns. Yo, let's let's uh, let's get on to the main. Is this the main card now that we're moving we are on to? We're on the main card. It is look, time for the main card. Look at this. We got a matchup here that's actually been a while in the making. In fact, Phil Hawes booked against Duran Wynn. Right now, the line minus 310 Phil Hawes plus 245 Duran Wynn. They booked another fight for Phil Hawes before this one. For him to just kind of take care of business and go in there and get another win, and that was you know, supposed to be like a month or two apart, but it got canceled because of a Duran right. rib injury. Yeah, but I gotta say, I mean, Phil Hawes, he goes to decision in his last fight against Kyle Dawkins, and he actually showed like you know he could control the fight. He was working to the body, um, but you know something just gives me an uneasy feeling here because Duran Wynn like feels like specifically disrespected in this spot. Yeah, maybe it's that minus three forty line. Yeah. Maybe, also maybe five takedowns that. per 15 for Duran Wynn at a 52% yeah. clip, which is elite. Maybe it's uh, 77% win percentage implied win percentage probability. That's making you feel uneasy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Phil Hawes has also shown us that, uh, he can get in some very scheduled spots and fights. Uh, the Imovov fight, he was on skates in round three. Um, the uh, Malcoon fight, you know, that obviously went nice and quick for him. But the Marquez fight, you know, he gasses out early. So we're we're betting on Phil Hawes's gas tank to have improved because Duran Wynn, he's not the type of guy where you just knock him out in the first few minutes because you know, he's faced a couple guys where you know Antonio Hoyo, uh, yeah, he was piecing him up in the first round. He de- Duran Wynn lost that first round, uh, eating a lot of straight punches. You know, Hawes probably packs a little more power, but the question is. Hawes' gas tank, has it really been tested by someone who can push him defensively? Or is it more so that Hawes has been able to dictate the pace against lesser athletes in his last couple fights? I know Wynn is a lot smaller, but he's such a good wrestler. It makes me a little nervous if this fight extends past round one. I, I mean, oh. even still, you, you've seen him tested and kind of start to fade. That Imavov fight was only a major a majority decision win. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he, he definitely started to fade that, you know, he's... Uh, Certainly suspect in that respect. My my play on this fight, I, I don't really have too much of a handicap, and I'll let you guys kind of battle out a little bit more. I, I, I just I, – this fight going the distance at plus money is the only way I see it. The yeah. money lines are too wide. It's sketchy for me. Plus 120. I really, I really don't know. So I'll take the decision to the fight to go the distance at plus 120. Uh, Phil Hawes' last two fights have gone the distance. Uh, the Malcoon fight being the third of which, which he ended in 18 seconds. And then Duran wins last four, uh, not four, one, two, three, four, five. Four of his last five fights have gone the distance. Uh, the one of which not going the distance was when he was admitted in the third round by Gerald Mearshart. Mm. So I, 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 it's going the distance. Unless Plus 120. Think- Lest we think it's a Hawes knockout, I really think that 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 distance play is is a major play. And one last thing, Sean, and then please go. Um, No, don't be sorry because I'm going way too long-winded when I said I'd be quick. Um, Mm. One one parlay piece I really like is the fight to start round two at minus 290. So I feel like – because for sure we're getting through round one. Okay. Um, Again, as long as he doesn't get sparked. So – 
All right, Sharon, talk to me here. What are you thinking? Yeah. My issue with Wynn is Wynn's tough. He, he oh, reminds oh, my God. He, oh, my God. Sorry. Holly Holm is out of fight night against Norman Dumont next week. Just just breaking right now. Aspen wow. Ladd is likely the replacement, according to Oh, Brad, my God. At 145, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I hate that so much. Anyway, oh. Sorry, Schwan. All right. Again. We have to, breaking news must be released. We, yeah. We're on the cutting edge here. It's yeah. <laughs> journalism, sir. But um, Wynn kind of reminds me of Daniel Cormier in the sense. Um, he's very durable. He has some athleticism. He but outside of his him. wrestling, I don't know how good a fighter he is. Like, when you talk about him pushing Haas, he'll push guys and wrestle and tie up and clinch with him. But is he really landing all that much strike? Is he really punishing guys like that? I don't recall him being a particularly dynamic or busy or effective striker with anything he's doing. So he'll push you by being in your face and getting in extended exchanges and making you fight off takedowns and stuff. But as far as an effective striker, who has he ever really effectively been 50-50 with on the feet? I don't I don't recall that fight, to be quite uh, honest. Deron Wynn, the only one I could find. He did land 169 strikes, uh, 137 from distance, but that was also against Eric Spicely. Exactly. So. I was about to say, I was like, wait, <laughs> Eric Spicely? Yeah, so... Didn't he um, yeah. just get knocked out bare-knuckle boxing or something, like bad... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, no, I I hear you on that, Sean. It's Definitely. almost, it's almost, it's almost like a poor man's John Jones, Daniel Cormier. Wow. Win <laughs> has the toughness and athleticism to damage you in spots, but he has none of the he has none of the subtleties or the crafts. He doesn't mm. double jab his way in. He doesn't pivot, nah. step over, and counter. Even his takedown attempts are more grinding and physical and aggression than. Mm. I mean, I know, I know he's got high level wrestling. But the way he gets to it in the cage isn't like some slick faint, slip under, get behind you, suplex you. It's he grinds you down, he pressures you, he wears you out, and then he just rides you out and beats you down and breaks you down. But on the feet, yeah. he's not very slick. He's not very creative. So is he really going to push Phil on the feet? Or is he going to be like a target? Because I've seen him get – I've seen Wynn get rocked and backed up quite a bit in a yeah. lot of fights. And against Joe Mearshart, too. That's why he gave up his neck so kindly. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, Haas is new – Newfound conditioning is probably a mirage. It's, it's Mariah Carey said it's a vision of love. Doesn't exist. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, I don't know that wins the guy to expose it. And if he is going to expose it, that means he's going to have to walk through hell against a guy who is actually not a high level striker, but a, for MMA terms, a fairly dynamic athletically mm. striker. And I've seen him rocked by guys who are not great athletes. Huh. And I yeah. can't imagine. And he's with AKA, I think AKA his notorious. We had poor strikers. They're functional strikers. Like they can get the job done, but they, they take as good as they get. Name me one AKA fighter who hasn't taken a beating on his way to win. Khabib is only because it's wrestling, but when he's got a stand up exchanges, Gaethje got to him. McGregor got to him. Daniel Cormier, everybody gets Daniel Cormier. Volk, Vol- Uzdemir got to him. Gustafson got to him. Jones got to him. Patrick Cummins landed on, on the feet. Everybody from that camp gets touched. Win is no different. I don't. I think personally, he should drop another weight class where he could really impose himself physically. In this weight class, I don't know. I, I think Haas might really get him. It might get him early. Huh. Okay. Honestly, when you look at Haas's record, his finishes are only early finishes. Like, I mean, he has, uh, I, he has, uh, what, his first fight ever was a second round win, but every other fight has been a first round finish for him that otherwise it was a decision yeah there's a a chance that win because let's say he rocks him early and and win could actually come on but once again i have to really believe that 
Darren Wynn is doing enough against a guy and 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 Hans is a better athlete than any of the guys who's rocked him. So and he's and he's not he making that weight cut. Yeah, exactly. He, he's he's, he's more set for his weight class. Win to me looks kind of, I don't want to say I don't mean disrespectful. He looks kind of chunky at his weight. Oh, yeah. Percent. So you and know he let, gets let's, super let's, defensive about it too. Yeah, kick kick look, kick his stay a distance. You don't even go for the knockout. Stay a distance. Kick mm-hmm. his legs. Throw a front kick to his body. Throw a long jab to his body. Long right hand to his body. The first round, second round, come out guns blazing. Mm-hmm. It'll be a knockout. It's real simple. He's not. He doesn't have good footwork. He doesn't have good striking. Just pick him apart. Front kick. Front kick. Front kick. He gets eager. eager step side. Counter. Check hook. Done. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, Phil Hawes is not going to do that. But that's how. <laughs> 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 yeah, so, I mean, yeah. I, I'm. I'm going to ride with the. You know, the sketchy place here. I might put like a little baby something. Nothing official, but maybe a little baby something on wind. This is like. I feel like when you look at who's betting on me for this fight, it's just going to be a list of just like Phil Hawes. And then like there will be diehard MMA pot. I saw he's on win. Maybe someone else. But like, you know, I, I just, yeah, dude, shout out Clint. But like, that's my thing is like, I just feel like this could be like an ultimate fate in the narrative spot where we all look back and we're like, damn. Or is it Megatron Phil Hawes, you know, really getting built up, especially with DC's body, you know, it's a good name. I don't think that Hawes is an apple pie shitter because, I mean, if it is, it's what we what we would learn about Phil Hawes if he loses, honestly, we really won't, it won't be much. It no. would just, it would be what we always knew is that his cardio is suspect and so is his defensive grappling. I have so one it, question. It's real. all about slowly wearing out your opponent. That's 100% correct, man. Thanks for hanging in. And yeah, but you know, we did also hear the Kevin Holland stuff and Parking. Fucking legend. I, what a guy. He is a legend. I was I have unbelievable. One question. Yes. Has, has Darren Wynn fought anybody with any sort of wrestling background outside of Hawes? Hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm not even sure. Damn, that is a damn good point right there because I don't think and so. And Dr. Phil is in the building. That's, there he is making his appearance. Yeah, Darren Stewart is like the only guy that, but he's not even like really he's a wrestling, wrestling background. background. Yeah, no, he's, he's not, not even he's really like, a dentist. Nah. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I mean, really, like you he, are, he, should, yeah. he should still dominate it. But when you have a dynamic striking advantage and you're and you're a fairly accomplished wrestler with some athleticism, those takedowns aren't quite as easy to get, and you can get in some spots where you can be severely punished for those takedown attempts. That's essentially how John Jones shut down Daniel Cormier. Daniel Cormier is much better MMA wrestler, but that length, that athleticism, that physical strength mm. offset him just enough. And, and I see a lot of I see a lot of reflection between these two fights. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, let's. Uh, I think we fleshed that one out. Let's uh, let's get on to our next fight here. This one is going to be really interesting. Uh, <laughs> Sabina Mazo drops back down from 135 to 125 and meets up with Maria Agapova, who comes off of a pretty serious knee injury and a long layoff to come back. And, uh, and here she is. And being a crackhead. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Mar- what was that? Marina Morose? Yes. Dropping a- <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I will say that is absolutely hilarious. And um, <laughs> <laughs> But I think, uh, listen, Agapova, obviously, at this point, you would hope, you know, maybe um, – you know, she she got a little bit of her personal life figured out, you know, all that stuff. You know, she said, uh, you know, okay, all right, let me go get the training. I got my money now. I got a car. She won't fall off her bike and scrape her elbow like she did, whatever. But, like, when I watch back Maria Agapova's tape um, and I'm seeing she's just, like, extremely wild and loose with everything that she does. So yep. Sabina Mazo is extremely technical and patient 
and she's a high volume striker as well. And one that's shown that she can go to decision against a lot of competition, even at 135 against Alexis Davis. So, um, yeah, I, I know it's very attractive to take the person that was like minus 1500 and now she's the underdog and she's had to have made a lot of improvements in her time off. Well, she got kicked out of American top team. So she's actually been training somewhere Wait, different. Was she actually kicked out? Well, yeah. she's not, she wasn't training with them anymore. I'll tell you that. So, so is it for crack? No, not for crack. I think she was smoking too much pot probably is, is more what it sounded like. And like, you know, Moroz just wants to take it next level. But like, you know, uh, just the way I see it with yeah, like. she's Russian. You might as well yeah. be smoking crack. So with like Mazo and Agapova, I mean, listen, they have the same experience, but Mazo's faced such better level of competition and her stats are like elite, elite level as far as output. And, and I'm going to try to. Do they have the same experience though? What was that? I said, do they really have the same experience? Because when I look at who they fought, one person's fought, you know, they fought some similar people, but one person's fought a much better, maybe not a higher ranked or better athletes, but just Uh, much more trained, rehearsed fighters than the other. Well, yeah, you know, I would say it's more the, um, the, they have the same record, the same exact record. But when you flesh out that record, yes. Yeah, it is nowhere near the same type of deal. It's not the same nine and two. You're 100% right about it. I mean, I mean, it ultimately comes down to Agapova. She has a hard time versus a certain level of athleticism against Dodson. She had better skill sets than Dodson because Dodson is really a one-trick pony. But right, yeah. Dodson was much more physical, much more dynamic athletically. Um, when she fought uh, Tracy Cortez, who also has a lot of – who has a, a shallow skill set, um, she was much better athletically. And now she's facing someone who's not just technical but well-conditioned and a better athlete. That tells you all that you need to know about this fight. There's a good I, chance she gets stopped inside the first round. Too. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Sean, you make a great point because I came onto the show with a bunch of props that I felt good about, stuff like that. Let me go hop in here and tell you uh, Sabina Mazzo inside the distance. What do we wow. think that is? What do we think that is? Because I was looking at it before. Plus Let's pull it up again. Plus 300. There you go. Boom. That's oh, wow, my bet for this good. fight. Let's go. Done. There it yeah. is. That's a bet. It's, it's got to be. She don't like to get hit either. No. Yeah. Agapova, like- no. No. And she got slammed around all over the place by Dobson. Listen, I'm just saying that I saw Sabina Mazo saying she wants to try out and show her, her whole skill set. And I also oh. saw that Sabina Mazo had a fight where she gets 11 minutes of control time with four takedowns against who? Shauna Dobson. Ooh, isn't that interesting? Yeah, I love a little MMA. <laughs> but um, one of the things I actually do want to pull away from this fight very, very quickly. Yes, I, I think that they, I think that the UFC likes Sabrina Mazzo. I think that they view her as marketable or quote unquote exciting. They gave her Alexis Davis in the last fight in hopes that she'd win. I don't think that was a a fight for that they gave no. for Alexis Davis. No, so it was bad matchmaking no. though. That was problematic. So, so yeah. So I think they well listen. They tested her with the veteranship. They maybe thought she was and a weight class up. She was and a weight class up. A little bit of a wrestler, but you know what? I bet she learned a lot from that. She's a young fighter, and they gave her uh, at, at least a step down in competition. It could be possibly two steps down because we don't know really what Agapova's skill level. Y'all, really y'all watch like basketball and other sports, right? Oh yeah. yeah. So this is like what you call they made a bad foul call. So now here's the makeup call. Yep, we shouldn't give yeah. me Davis. Let's get you in with Agapova. There you go. Makeup call. Yeah. A hundred percent. A little bit of a um, 
not a reprieve, but like a uh, like a condolence. A step back, yeah, a little step if, back. If Agapova is in fact a crack addict, she's not going to get tired, and that makes her a threat. <laughs> that is true. She will not get tired. My God! But if she's smoking the ganja, she might need to take a little weed nap. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what happened in her last fight because uh, that was not good. But yeah, no, yeah. I so know. hey, she looks like she had a bad edible on that last yeah. fight. Jeez. I'll take Sabina Mazo. Hey, listen, Sabina Mazo money line is minus one sixty five. Give me that inside the distance plus three hundred. Give me that, and I think we move on to the next one, huh? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I mean, this one, I think I found my second piece. We got Tim Elliott versus Matthias Nikolau. You mean you think I found my second piece? Uh oh, sounds like we're agreeing on something here because Tim Elliott, I think he's getting a whole ton of shine for grapple fucking someone who had no business still being in the UFC and Jordan Espinosa. And I know I they call no him the all American and all that shit, but like Espinosa's defensive grappling, absolute garbage. Yeah. He stuffed some takedowns against Mark De La Rosa, but come on. Okay. That's all I'll say about that. Anyways, Tim Elliott, he's shown a proclivity to getting submitted uh, in the UFC out, you know, uh, getting finished just in general. Uh, he's only, he's only been knocked out outside the UFC, but he does have four submission losses in the UFC. And the thing that stands out to me is that a lot of the time, uh, yes, he did have a quick one against Benavidez, a quick one against uh, Nguyen, I mean, a quick one against Figueredo, and then round two versus Roy Val. So is it really that out of the question that, you know, he gets wrapped up and stuff like that happens real quick? Yeah, I mean, I probably wouldn't expect it because Elliot, you know, since moving to glory, he's definitely improved a bunch of his shit. I like that. But Nikolaus boxing and his defense, athleticism, his takedown game, uh, him being safe in, in, in top control positions and also knowing how to work from the bottom. I really like Nicolau here. I mean, minus 195, add him to the parlay. We're going to put him with, uh, with, with uh, what did we have here? Our first piece was uh, Chris Gutierrez yes. and our second piece, Matthias Nicolau. So we got a minus 260 and a minus 200. Uh, for a plus money, plus 115, I believe. There you go. And you know what? The line is even moving a little. Nicolau back down to minus 195 right now from a plus 200. Yeah. Honestly, I don't love this fight from too much of a prop standpoint. No. Uh, Nicolau with 10 career finishes and uh, eight career wins by decision. So he's about 50-50 in that respect. I guess a little bit higher. I'm not a math guy. Um, uh, you know, so I don't – and Elliot, you know, like you said, is not going to get finished via strikes. He is the zombie. He walks forward with his hands down. He likes to get his nose broken. He likes to get woken up. Um, he does a lot of head movement. He likes to be really awkward. He sh- lands about four takedowns per 15 minutes. So I do expect a ton of grappling and I do expect that to make Nicolau not only tired, but uh, not able to throw as much into his strikes, which now that I'm starting to talk it out, makes me kind of think it still goes the distance, but it's uh, if I bet the distance, it's that means it's, I'm just going to be sweating the whole time. So <laughs> I, I do think that Nicolau gets it done. I don't, think that he wins all three unanimously i think it could very well be a split something greasy um but what is it nicolau by decision plus 120 i, I don't know i, I like nicolau nicolau straight up done. i mean the 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 only way i think he he loses is if his cardio isn't on point he looks like shit on the weight cuts which by the way like we said earlier these younger guys Gotta watch those weight cuts super, super closely. Mm-hmm. But uh Elliot specifically has been one of those guys that struggles a lot with the weight cut. But with his girl Gina Mazzani and uh coach James Krause, 
you know, they, they really do keep him under a type. He's been in great shape. Plan. Yeah. So, you know, and, and at this stage of his career at 34, I, I think he's learned that he doesn't have time to fuck around. So mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit more serious. But that being said, he still walks forward with his hands down, still awkward, still relatively uh, low fight IQ in that respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you – you've been quiet here, Schwan. What, what do you think? Give us a yeah. scoop. I, I mean, I, I like his rededication to being in shape. At his age, he needs it. And with his style, he needs it because even though he's had some pretty snazzy submissions, to me, he's not really much of a technical submission person. He's more of a when – I, when I see him, I see a guy who spent a lot of time grappling on the mats, like sparring. So he's got a certain kind of comfort and flexibility and reactive. He kind of operates in chaos. There's not a real structure, structured way – he approaches grappling or he approaches wrestling. And that's what makes it hard for people to handle him because he'll just go for, he'll, he won't secure position. He'll just leap into submission. He'll just spin over here and go for this. He'll be in a bad position and he'll just try to explode out of it. He doesn't have a systematic way of working out of it. So he makes you work because instead of him going from A to B to C to escape, he's going from A, skipping B, going right to C to get out. And it's hard to figure out his rhythm and figure out his timing. The further along he goes, the easier it is to figure out what he's doing and how to cut it off. It's the same thing on his feet. He likes to move around. He likes to dip and hop and jump all over. But there's not a real offensive structure to what he does. You'll miss two or three shots, but he won't make you pay for them because the way he dips and moves puts him out of position to actually counter you consistently. And even when he puts shots together, the way he throws his shots kind of, kind of serve him up to be countered or to be taken down. And he's okay with that because he forces scrambles and looks for submissions. Against Nikolai, I, I essentially feel – the first round will be the most trouble he gets him in. And if he can, and if he doesn't finish him in that round or put him in a tremendous duress, Nikolaus should slowly be able to chip him chip 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 him up yeah. and break him down. Because even yeah. at this age, being in good shape, even in his, even in his prime, Elliot got tired. Against um what's his name? Demetrius Johnson. He got tired in all his fights. He gets tired because of the manner in which he fights. He doesn't set things up. He doesn't go through a structure, it's boom, 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 all over. He could use a slip and a parry, but he's gonna use a big jump in a dip, an extensive energy-burning dip to get away from your shot when he could have just went like this. He's going <laughs> to this. You can't maintain, he can't maintain that pace, and he doesn't have any fundamentals, in my opinion, good enough fundamentals to conserve his energy and protect himself defensively. So Nikolaou mm-hmm. might have some trouble in the first round, but after that, he's going to find his time. And he's going to start chipping away because yeah. Elliot runs out of ideas. And once he runs out of ideas, he relies on his toughness and his willingness to take chances to win fights. Yeah. So if you can just be methodical and defensively sound, awesome. uh, you 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 outwork him. I don't think there's a finish, but I, I don't think there's a finish. I think y'all are right. But given his age and how long he's been fighting and how reckless he gets defensively, that that knockout loss, that knockout, that that finish is coming. That finish is coming sometime in his career, sometime soon. I love it. A couple, mm. a couple random things. I, I love I love this fight to go to be won by uh, split decision, which is a prop on. Uh, on DraftKings at plus three thirty, and then uh, I also like what is it? The fight to be fight of the night, possibly, right? Do they have? I don't know what they have that prop at. Sometimes DraftKings has that prop. I, I that think is very this, likely. That I think that this likely. on a card that really could very well um, lack the perf- like may have a couple performance of the night bonuses with a couple finishes. Will I think will really lack the 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 fireworks fight needed for yes. a uh, uh, a fight of the night. I think that this fight could be the one. 
If maybe mm. not the co-main event too, because that one's going to be All right. another sketch ball fight. Yeah, so I mean, the way I see it, that's a parlay piece right there. I'm not going to touch the props on this one because I just feel so good about the money line. And I agree. It's time for the co-main event, huh? Weird, weird ass co-main event. Yeah. I, so I honestly, where did this I, come I, from? I honestly think now that we really fleshed it out, now that we talked about it, why the fuck isn't this Tim Elliott? Why isn't Tim Elliott the co-main event? They gave him co- him and Ryan Benoit co-main event. Why isn't why isn't it co-main event now? Like they're mm. marketing Nicolau by giving him this fight. Like why not market Nicolau more by? Mm. I guess maybe they like Randy Brown. I I, I don't understand that. They, I don't think they like him that much. They haven't really pushed him in any real way i mean he hasn't won enough to be pushed but i don't know i don't know that either one of these guys that are the future of their division i i'm kind of caught off guard by this myself i mean it should be a good fight but is it really important or future stewards of the division eh. i think eh. they were looking for some fireworks right i i just think that i feel like randy brown is hitting that hitting that stride right now like where like where Jupiter into the lines with Mercury. Like, you know what I'm saying? I just feel like all the things are kind of coming together right now for Randy Brown, if that makes any fucking sense at all. At 31, I feel like he's coming into his prime. He had that great win versus Alex Oliveira. Is that really um, a great win, though? I, yeah. Listen, man. Yeah, I yes, I think so. Because uh, Nico Price is somebody I thought to be more physical and more technically sound than Randy Brown. Or not technically sound, but just like, just fucking better fighter, more brute. And obviously since Nico price smashed him with those hammer fists, but like uh, Randy Brown, at least finished Alex Oliveira. And whereas Nico price barely was able to get that job done last, last Mm. week. Yeah. I think Randy Brown has impressive um, boxing. Yeah. I don't know if I trust Jared Gooden to use the leg kicks necessary to dissuade Brown from coming forward enough. Jared Gooden is a low output is his problem. Yep. Yeah, he I think he just stares in the mirror. Yeah, yeah. He he admires his work as well. He might land a good leg kick and then stand stand right in front of him for the through punch combination return. He's right. gonna get every bit of that. Plus, so he he admires his work. He's not a dynamic enough striker to di- to admire his work, and he's um he's not very busy. So even if he he finds something, he's not gonna attack the leg nearly enough historically. To do enough damage to offset what Brown's gonna do, because Brown's not gonna be Brown fought Nico Price. He's not gonna be offset by one or two leg kicks. He's no. he'll he'll walk through some fire. He fought Alex Oliveira, who's a dynamic. Vicente Luque. <laughs> yeah, Luque. He, he didn't back down. He he no. he walked into the fire. Good is not that kind of athlete. And defensively, once you get past his his the variety of his weapons, uh, he he does not have much. You get into that mid range with him. He, he's he's a non-option. He's a non-option defensively. Mm. So Brown's a better athlete. I think he's a better striker. Um, I think Gooden has a, a wide range of skills, but I don't know that he's got the athleticism or the skill level to dominate anywhere. Yeah, I think Brown even – it could be interesting enough where, like, he's got such long limbs that he could hurt him. And this is something that we saw in his last fight. He lands that right hand, and then down goes Oliveira, and boom, he jumps on the back. Randy Brown, his finishes in the UFC – I mean, he's got two knockouts, three submissions, and two decisions. Yeah, Randy Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, like, listen, Randy Brown by submission plus 330. I was just thinking that Gooden has only been finished once, which is some weird strike against the cage against Bruno Oliveira, which is a name we should recognize. Yeah. Um, It's just – I I don't know what that fight was. I'd have to see that in Titan FC. I'm just not sure. I feel like Randy Brown – 
I don't know. Like, I don't want to know if I'm. I don't know if I'm being too cautious. Uh, what's What's Randy Brown double chance? Randy Brown by finish is plus one twenty. Oh, that's kind of interesting because the other. I like this fight inside the distance. I, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that since Gooden was, is so so low low volume. Yeah. As a low volume martial art person myself, I'm like I, I never fought, but inspiring people be like, it's really hard to put something together on you because yeah. you're not you're not giving mm-hmm. enough for me to work with. Oliveira yeah. served himself up. Even Luke would serve himself up because mm-hmm. he's so determined to damage you. Gooden mm-hmm. isn't trying to damage you. He's he's yeah. trying to win a professional fight. Yeah. He's trying to land efficiency and accuracy. He ain't trying to blow you out there. So he's not going to serve himself up to big counters or submission finishes. He's going to pick his spots and be very careful in what he does. So like I said, you can lose and then you can lose. Gooden only wants to lose. He doesn't want to lose-lose. <laughs> he's, he's not taking chances to get KO'd or submitted. He could, but he's never taken those chances. And that's why he's been alternately so successful but not successful against – a certain caliber of opponent. And Randy Brown only loses to a certain caliber of opponent. Jared yeah. Gooden is not that caliber of opponent. And you know yeah. what? As long, as long as there's a good weight cut, um, let's fade that narrative. Randy Brown has had a finish, has finished or come to a finish in his last one, two, three, four, five fights in a row. His last decision being with Mickey Gall and Bilal Muhammad. I think he's due for a decision. Huh. And, yep. and uh, I actually like hmm. that. And, and Randy Brown by Plus decision, one. Plus two twenty um, to go the like, distance is plus one fifty. Yeah, and that's to me that's like the uh, yeah or plus one forty on Fanduel, so plus one fifty is much better. Um, I, why not fade that Vegas narrative? Vegas thinks that there's a finish. Wow. Uh, I don't, I don't see why not. Okay, Especially when you, right, you see Gooden uh, fade the narrative decision with uh, uh, Joe Ban and Nurmagomedov, which plays right into what Schwan said about being a. A professional fighter because I don't think Abakar Medov and Alan Joban are, are totally professional fighters. And, uh, you know, he was able to stand right in there. And then as a professional, he absolutely starts uh, Nicholas Stoltz, mm. who we all we played actually on this show. That's, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that go the distance. Yeah, I like that a lot. So, wow. I guess we made it, huh? Here's our main event. Is that our dog of the day play? Like, what's our dog of the day? No, nah, I think. Well, I mean, if you want to make that yours, I, I just found. Oh, uh oh, uh oh! Did I just blow the wad? What's the dog yeah. of the day? Here what's we go. Dog of the day. We got Mackenzie Dern versus Marina Rodriguez, and I will admit there is probably some level of bias here. So follow well, if you, you will. So let's let's break that. Let's break down the bias real quick. So if Your we go. Ball. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Here, we're going to go in. Bias, your bias. Okay, so first off, Marina, Marina Rodriguez, I have been fading her consistently. Consistently up until the Michelle Watterson fight. I took Amanda Hibas. I took Carlos Barza. I was not betting when she bet when she fought Calvillo. So that's about as far back as my Rodriguez train goes. However, now if we go to the Mackenzie Dern train, this is where things get slightly embarrassing for me. Uh, I definitely bet Randa Marcos against her. I definitely bet Vina Janjiroba against her. And I definitely bet Nina Nunes against her. I didn't bet Hannah Cyphers against her. But, uh, yeah, so I get, I guess I can hang my head on that. But uh, so here we are. Um, Mackenzie Dern, someone that I actively try to fade. Because when you watch the tape, there's so many asset, uh, attributes that make you want to fade her. However, all it takes is a split second for her to get you in one of those positions. And we're talking Submission City. So... 
Amanda Hibas did show the pathway. It's about aggression, physicality, top control, and takedowns. I don't think that's a pathway for Marino Rodriguez. However, I do think that there is a level of physicality that'll make the initial takedowns much harder than anyone that Mackenzie Turner's faced before. Um, now, when I see Rodriguez getting taken down, it's off of like chain attempts for the most part. However, when she fought Cynthia Calvillo, she was just getting you know, like blast double leg, but Calvillo missed weight by five pounds and was forced to move up. So I don't take as much into that. Also, Carla Esparza, very high level wrestler, also able to land some single shot takedowns. But when uh, Rodriguez is facing, you know, a lower level on the wrestling, uh, she's able to stuff the initial takedowns. And she does have a 62% defense. Uh, she did well against Watterson with the footwork. Uh, she didn't do great against Stark, but she does do well to wrap up and get a close guard. She throws elbows from the bottom. And while she is a little too comfortable sitting in those positions, I don't think Dern is one of those like uh, position grapplers where she's looking to secure a position and hold it for control time. She is going to be actively hunting for submissions. However, Mackenzie Dern's 10% takedown accuracy really doesn't lend to great confidence in her landing the takedown and getting to submission dominant positions. Because against Nina Nunes, she's facing a fighter that comes off a of pregnancy. And, and that obviously changes your body. And Nunes looked to be scared for a lot of that fight, really circling around against someone that, you know, Dern's coming in and firing hard, but she's also eating some counters. If she's eating those counters against Rodriguez, it looks very different. And Rodriguez is much more pointed and, and technical in the way that she's able to get you coming in. Now, Rodriguez needs to keep this on the feet. There's no doubt about it. It gets to the mat. There is going to be a chance Dern gets the submission, a good chance. And I look very silly here, but Marina Rodriguez plus 150 on DraftKings. That is my dog of the day. I just think that the stand-up is too much. And while Dern has shown improved stand-up combos, walking forward, uh, the ability to take a punch and, and, and go through it, um, I don't think she's ever faced a striker like this before or someone that does have, uh, you know, Maybe not the best get-up ability, but very good closed guard and defensive grappling capabilities. So talk me down off my dog of the day, boys. Hit me. Give me your burst. I have no I, – I, man, it's hard for me personally to talk you off that. I keep going back and forth. I'm trying to find where I think I want to play this fight, um, and I don't really – I think maybe just fight to start round two at minus three ten. <laughs> like that's so that's like the like the biggest pussy play ever. I really I'm so unsure um exactly how this fight plays out. I know that I sent you earlier in the week, T B on Tuesday at one o'clock. Um you could get Mackenzie Dern by submission at plus one fifty or Mackenzie Dern by submission and in round one at plus 550. Now that same line is Mackenzie Dern by submission at plus 100, and Mackenzie Dern by round one says submission at plus 410. Those That's like significant mm. value loss. So, I mean, I don't know if that's the book readjusting the props based on money coming in because that's the obvious way that Marina's going to uh, – Mackenzie would win all of her submissions in the UFC have come by in round one. Um, we watched Marina give up a takedown to Carlos Barza 
I mean, less than 30 seconds into their fight. We also know that Carlos Barza is an unbelievable wrestler and Mackenzie Dern is a shit wrestler. But we also know from the random Marcos fight and watching fights in general that you don't need a takedown to get the fight to the mat. You can catch a kick, which Marina throws a lot of. You can trip. You can get a a cage. There's a lot of different ways to get to the mat. Um, We also know that Mackenzie Dern, because of her grappling advantage, um, doesn't mind throwing absolutely everything into her strikes because it will cause yep. a clinch. It will cause a clinch position, which even if Marina is stronger in the clinch, better in the clinch, all you got to do is body lock and like, what does it go like? Watching if anybody's ever seen Psych, don't go, don't go boneless on me, Gus. You just grab her and you just go boneless and you just take her to the ground with you with all your weight, and you know what I mean, like. I, I don't know. Is Marina strong enough? Is her Muay Thai that good? Is her takedown defense, her underhooks, all that shit, is it going to be good enough to keep this fight standing? I feel like the fight, the, the play I want to take is the over, but I like the over one and a half. Now I see it over two and a half. So I don't really like that as much. Um, yeah. So I I, hit, hit me, Schwan. You're the, you're the expert. Can you, can you either get me on Tyler's side or, or, you know, give me uh, what's the word? Uh, some credence to my skepticism. I I see why people like Marina. The thing about her is she has a she has a width of skill. I don't know that she's particularly deep in any area. I mean, like, yeah, she's a good striker, but she's not like Valentina, Joanna, good. She's very mm-hmm. good, very competent. She's good, competent in wrestling. Even though her takedown defense isn't great, she's not like you said. She can defend the, the initial takedown. She you don't you don't just bowl her over by touching her legs. She's not like that, and she can grapple. Um, so it's why I told everybody she was, I thought she would beat Hebus because Hebus is used to getting certain positions and dominating from certain positions. And then this was going to be the first opponent she faced who could challenge her and who would fight back in every range. And sometimes it's not even be fighting back intelligently. It's just being able to make them work because everybody has a safety zone where they know they can hold you down or just be safe and dominate. With mm-hmm. Marina, there's very few safety zones because she's competent in every area. The one thing Marina has an issue with, though, is when she's faced a certain kind of athlete. I know that Calvillo missed weight, but that just lends credence to against a big, strong opponent. That person was able to take her down and get get positions. Against Ronda Marcos, who's got terrible IQ, who's iffy technically, but is a great athlete who's physically strong, she was also able to get her into certain positions. Against Amanda Hebos, she got put in certain positions. She just was able to survive them. Hebos almost finished her in the first round. She had moments where it was you could have really said, hey, you know what? She's coming off. She's close to finishing. The problem with Marina is because she's got so much width, she's comfortable everywhere, which is great because she can fight you from everywhere. But it's also a downside because she gets comfortable everywhere. And against Watterson, late, Watterson made a late round surge yeah. against a player who she was much smaller than, who she was at that weight, a much less athlete, hit, did, didn't hit his hard end. And she still was able to get her down and back her up. Michelle Watterson doesn't get anybody like that and back anybody up. Who's the last person Michelle Watterson backed up outside of mm. Marina? I, don't, I can't remember the fight where she's actually backed someone up physically. That does not happen. And it happened against Marina. And Marina landed a bunch of shots. And I don't remember Michelle being particularly close to being finished either. Dern is a big, strong, durable fighter. Even at her worst, Dern was still blowing the doors off of girls. and struck. She couldn't get takedowns. So she was physically throwing them up against the cage and hitting them with these big haymakers and backing much better strikers up 
with volume and aggression. And now mm. she actually has a system of striking behind her. She's still the better athlete. In my opinion, she's still bigger and stronger. And yep. she is light years better on the ground. 100%. And like you like you said, she can throw whatever she wants on the feet because whether you drop her or whether you catch her kick and take her down, you're putting her right where she wants to be. So whether she gets the takedown or you get the takedown, Doesn't matter. she gets right where she wants to be. So essentially, yeah. part of Marina's game is out. She does not want to offensively wrestle with her. Mm, and yeah. even if she gets in tie-ups and she can defend the takedowns, um, Dern can use that to wear her down because Dern doesn't care if we go to the ground. I could be Dern could be dead tired. She's going to submit you. So she can yep. put all her energy into faking that takedown and slowly take the spring out of that step. Now you can't dance. Now you can't throw volume. Now that counter that would have been pitch perfect, that counter hook, now it's half an inch off and half a second slow. So that knockout shot is just a shot that cuffs me and I get my hands on you and throw you to the ground. A lot of this comes down to attributes and mindset. Dern is much more busy as a fighter. She's not as lazy. Champion. She's much more Champion structured. mindset. Yeah, and she's and she's she's every she's has every physical advantage over everybody. That's why she's been able to navigate her shit wrestling. She's a great grappler and she's got every physical advantage over ninety percent of the fighters in the division, Marina included. So I, I don't see how Marina and when Marina faces better athletes, she always struggles. She mm. always struggles against durable people and athletic people. Mackenzie, mm. as fought as she is, is durable and athletic. That's and a bad recipe. That's shout, a out, for sh- shout out to former guest uh, Lucrative MMA, James from Lucrative MMA. He had a tweet this week that I really like, and it's that mm-hmm. similarly, Casey O'Neill and Mackenzie Dern have the tape that when you watch, you want to keep fading, but they keep winning. Yep. And it's and it's just he's always you know just so uh, insightful, James. And and just that tweet, just that thought. Mm. And it's exactly that. And it's what I had said to you when I heard Eric Nixick on MMA Lock of the Night show. It's just when he talked about Casey O'Neill in the gym, that ferocity, that attitude, that mm. I don't care what it's going to take. I'm going to rip your limbs off. You're going to have to put me down to put me out. Like, I mean, you're going to have to put me out to put me down. Whatever. Like, that type of ferocity, like, it's not Damon Jackson. You know what I mean? It's yep. you really like you can be a professional fighter and not have that ferocity. Dern's the same way. You've never I, seen, I I never seen her broken in a fight. Dern has that ferocity. She got um, thrown left and right by Hebus and she got right back up to get thrown again. At no point did she has it was dumb IQ wise, but you're like, she's not afraid of getting thrown. She's not she's not embarrassed. Like she just I don't care. Let me get at her. Let me get at her. Hmm. You can't you can't teach that sort of thing. Um, Rodriguez can outskill just like Shevchenko was outskilling O'Neill. Then O'Neill just said, "You know what? To hell with this! I'm not. I'm not tolerating this position anymore." <laughs> I and that's honest- it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I cut you it, off. It's like it's like, and it's like I'll just give a backstory. Like you know, you know, Mandy Baba Cooper, right? Yeah. She's mm-hmm. fight the UFC. At one point, I knew her coach. I knew somebody who knew her coach, and I did this long breakdown about Cynthia Cynthia Calvillo that another camp stole to help beat her. I know this for a fact because they emailed me pictures of all my notes where they're highlighting. Mm-hmm. Didn't give me any credit. This is actual fact. I can't say the person's name because I don't want to get in my trouble. But he saw what I wrote and I did a breakdown of Amanda and he liked it. So he's like, give me some input on Amanda Bobby Cooper. She's going to be fighting such and such soon. And I just started listing off the things she does wrong and how it's going to expose her against Dern because Dern is limited mm-hmm. as she is. Dern is a real fighter and she's got great athletic ability. And they didn't listen to me. They're like, no, no, we got this striking. We've got this plan. And I'm like, Dern's just going to jump on you. And she's going to blow your doors out. She's going to knock you out. She's going to submit you. Dern just gets in her face. And Cooper did not expect her to be as ferocious or as intense mm. with her strikes. 
And so she just got completely overwhelmed, got beat the hell up on the feet, thrown to the cage, finished, submitted just like that. And that's when Dern didn't have a lick of structure to what she's doing on the feet. It was just mm-hmm. aggression and a mean streak. Now she actually has structure because Perillo is teaching her how to touch the body, how to occasionally use a jab, how to slip mm-hmm. a little bit. She's not defensively sound, but she she will make you pay for every shot you land. And I don't know that Marina is a good enough technician, nor do I know that she's a good enough athlete to do enough harm that she's going to break Dern's will. Dern was in a war with Dan Jaroba. She was willing to engage with Ronda Marcos anywhere. And even at her worst, she has never folded and she has never backed down, even when faced with a superior athlete and a superior fighter. How is mm-hmm. Marina going to dissuade her? She's not going to submit her. She's not going to wrestle her for three for five rounds. She could possibly outstrike her. That's a 50-50 proposition because Dern's more durable and Dern hits harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I definitely I don't think I'm on the Rodriguez side with you. I'm not sure if you still are. I definitely want to see weight cuts even still. I, I personally think that the narrative to fade in this fight is the under. I mm. think that Mackenzie Dern um, has fallen in love with her striking. I think that especially after the Randa fight that ended really quickly, I think she's itching to show the improvements she made. And then that's over a year ago now. She had the Nunez fight. And she didn't, you know, after the Jandaroba fight, the Nunes fight went super quick too. I bet she wants to show her striking and her wrestling improvements. And I think in a five-round fight, she finally gets the atmosphere to do that. And she may still get the submission, like, in round three. I don't think hmm. a little sweat is going to stop her from locking in a fucking arm. Over, over two crazy. and a half. Hmm. Plus 105. Listen, that two and a half number just gets me gets me jazzed. I like maybe the, to start round three, but... I just really I like Mackenzie Dern and maybe over one and a half at plus one seventy five because I'm addicted to that plus money. Otherwise, you can get Mackenzie Dern in the over one and a half at minus one thirty five. Like, I mean, what's her what's her money line? Her money line is uh, plus one minus minus one seventy. So yeah, I mean, I I would take thirty five cents off to go half around. I mean, I'm cool with that, I guess. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah. I, I really I don't think that Mar- Marina is gonna be. Like she did with uh, Asparza fight, I think she's going to be heavy on that lead foot, you know, kind of crouch down and ready for takedowns. And I, I don't think that she's going to swing heavy. I think she's going to be patient, and she's going to do everything she can to get up. And and mm. and what we also saw in the Jandaroba fight, not that, uh, not that Rodriguez is as good of a, a submission artist as Jandaroba, but like going to the ground with Dern doesn't necessarily mm. mean you're dead. Yes, you you could, and it very may, well may eventually. You don't want to hang out there, but I mean, how much time did Dern have of control? And and Jandaroba right. was fine. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that I see with Marina is that she has the good body triangle from the bottom to close her guard, and she throws those elbows, and and then she she's just good. She's long, and defensively, she's just very difficult to to get to pass her guard to to get to the next step in the progression. And then, you know, you see Esparza drop down and go for these heel hooks and get absolutely punished for it. But, I mean, she had like four minutes of control before it. So I understand her looking for a finish. Dern's not great getting people down. But if I recall, when she does get people down, they don't generally, even if she doesn't submit, they don't get back up. Right. If anything else, she could literally. Do you see her traps and arms? Yeah. Yeah. She could literally just hold Marina up against the cage. For the entire round, just clinch her and hold her up and just short punch and, and hold her like that. I mean, she really could. She physically 
has bullied everybody. The question really is, which one of them is going to make the break- breakthrough? Marina has never beaten any s- sort of top-level athlete, and and Dern has never beaten any sort of top-level fighter. Yeah. And they haven't fought many. They've both gotten favorable matchups. Right. I mean, Phil was a favorable matchup. Nina Nina Nunez was a favorable matchup. So yeah. that really told us nothing. But against this caliber of athlete, Marina usually loses. The kind of, I mean, I guess you could say since Marina beat Hebas, she's shown that she's the caliber yeah, we, of fighter that Dern would lose to, but I don't know that for sure. Do we give any credit to that MMA math? He, she beat Hebas and she lost to Hebas. I, mean, I think it was, it's, I think it it's styles. Third UFC fight. That's so do I. Also, was Dern was coming off her pregnancy for that fight. So that was her first uh, fight back. That's another thing. But listen, I mean, ultimately, I still do lean the Marina side because of the it's price. Because of the play. price. You know, yeah, and, and and I will say if if, if Dern was the underdog here, I probably would be leaning towards that way. I just think this is That's the toughest square. matchup. This is the toughest matchup for either fighter so far, and I think if this fight does stay standing on the feet, that uh, Dern's defensive capabilities are nowhere near as good as her aggression and her offense have shown to be. And I definitely think those knees in the clinch are, are a real thing from Marina. I've seen her not stop people so much but definitely put a hurting on them at points and you know it does stick out of my mind that calvillo survives has a 10-8 third round so that's not great but uh yeah the michelle waterson thing doesn't laden fight taking her down i mean yeah yeah exactly you know so that's why you know maybe maybe that over really is the way to go two and a half plus 105 i really don't think dern gets an early finish and that's what i keep coming back to i just don't see how she wins a decision but maybe it's just the late finish. Maybe that's what it is. Dern's won a lot of decisions in her career, though. Yeah. Well, I just uh, why are you worried about her cardio? I don't really understand. No, I, I, um, I just don't. I think she loses the stand up. So, and I don't think that she gets the fight down in three rounds to to win three rounds with control. But hey, she could prove me wrong. Like I said, I am biased. Once, so. What, and once you're ga- once you're gassed, dude, if you if she spent ten minutes on her back in that first two rounds, like she's you you just well, the, start, I just don't, just but I don't see that happening. I'm worried about if it gets to a clinch or exchanges. I believe Dern has enough of durability to handle the power of Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Rodriguez's cardio is good enough to constantly defend those takedowns and still have the spring in her step in round mm-hmm. two or round three. She might have a good round one, but round two, round three, mm-hmm. all those the grappling exchanges. I feel that's where it's gonna. She's gonna get a half step slow, and Dern, as bad mm. as she's been, has never really gassed in any fight she's been in. She's mm. gone to a lot of decisions. So hey, maybe I'm sniffing a little bit too much on the on the well, on the dog of the hey, day type of idea. Have you been hanging out with Agapova? Is, is that yeah. why you're sniffing? Oh, <laughs> crackhead action. Uh oh, uh, a little, a little. Yeah. But yeah, but, you know. Wait, so didn't listen. didn't Marina drop? The the Calvillo and Esparza, both of those round one ten eights. No, no, no. It was round three. It was round three versus Calvillo and round one versus Marco. So it was two completely opposite. That's why I was like, I've seen I've seen her come back and look better as the fight went on. But you're right. I mean, listen, Dern's got the physicality. My coming away from it, my play of the day, our play of the day remains the parlay, our yeah. two legger, and that's going to be the one I put the most money on. Am I still going to put money on Marina? Let me see the face offs, let me see how it's going. Maybe just that over two and a half. But listen, guys, it's been a long winded one. 
and yeah, really long. we've had Thanks, we've had man. a great time Schwan, thank you so much for coming back especially hey, no. doing this live stream man this is great it was fun man I, I like like you said you're like mma can kind of be a soul sucking venture but like doing y'all show interacting with y'all even online or interacting on the show is one of the things where you're like something you look forward to i'm like my day is gonna be shitty but hey <laughs> Live, what a guy! Since, it's been it's gonna be great. We had you, man. Yeah, we had to get you back. Had hey, anytime, anytime y'all want, man. I'm glad to do it. This is like always a highlight of my week. I mean, I like my show and all, but this <laughs> is like highlight. This is a highlight. And, of me. and let me tell you, man, you're our first guest on our live show. So yeah, and hey, and, and, you, and you came on last time. You know, I, uh, oh man, it's just so great always having you on. <laughs> I, and keeping, I keeping I you coming first, back. Was that the first black guest because that counts too. Hell yeah! There we go. So it's a trifecta, right? Yeah. But we love um, it. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for tuning in. Throw us a like, subscribe, guru. Take us away, man. Yeah, listen, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Like TB just said, please uh follow and uh follow us on YouTube. Uh subscribe to our channel. Follow us on Instagram at Chronic Combat Conversations. Follow us on Twitter at Chronic Combat. You can find me at Guru Scouting MMA on Twitter, Instagram, Verdict and Tapology. You can find my partner. TV scouting MMA on uh, Instagram verdict tapology. Oh yeah, and then what about Schwam? Where can we find him? Oh my God, Guru cut out. It's okay. I'll take us away. I can't hear him, but yeah. So oh, and, but, we, and we got there you go. Amazing. Sorry about that. I hit the mute on my thing. And nice. we got our amazing uh, guest, Black Jordan Breen Schwan Humes, Schwan Humes in the building. Uh, Awesome. Always have. I, I just wanted to always say anybody who, who listens to the show, these guys, they really love the sport. They make it fun to talk about. If I ever see them comment on any social media about a fight, I I honestly got got to figure out what they're <laughs> because I respect their opinion. And I don't respect many people's opinions because most people don't know what the hell they're talking about. That's including coaches in MMA camps. I don't <laughs> because they're idiots too. No offense. Some of them are really good. A lot of them are not. So I really love you guys. That. I think you should support these guys. I have a great time on the show. And anytime you see anything they're associated with, you should support it. I know I do. Every time I try to retweet everything and send people as many people as I can to the show because y'all are great guys and that great, great, at, your, great at your craft. Great at your craft. Great show. Very professionally run. Tons of fun. Highlight of my week every time I get to do the show. I love that. You're so the man. Seriously. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. You guys are great. Anytime you, you, you <laughs> let me know, I'll be here for you. We love that. Seriously, that means everything. Guys, till the next live stream. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week, we hope, for Dumont versus whomever. Probably, yeah. I guess, Aspen Lad. For, uh, <laughs> we said we're under those ratings. <laughs> Get that ESPN the, money. The rest <laughs> of the card actually looks like better than this week's card, but that main event has just yeah. That will turn people off. I'm not watching the whole card to see that. No. Yeah. I'll catch you on the replay. Uh, till uh, next time, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.